0: Thank <laughs> you. Hey, Vineyard, it's good for us to be back together. Those of you that are joining us from wherever you are, it's been a blast to connect with some friends, some high school friends, people from a church I was at before, churches I was at before, however you want to say that. It's it's just been good for us to interact over the book of Esther and see what God has to say to us. Now, you know, because it happens sometimes, you know, with all pastors, they make these mistakes. And so sometimes my Moseses become Noahs and my Noahs become Moseses and I'm messing up. So let me just back up the last week. If you weren't there last week, or if you haven't seen last week, no big deal. Don't go there. Just want to make some clarifications theologically, and that is that Purim, the the celebration that was born out of the book of Esther, the story of Esther takes place in the month of Adar, if I'm saying that correctly, it's the 12th month of the calendar, and I kept saying 11th month, 11th month, and what I was trying to get across was, from the time that they released the edict, it was going to be 11 months of uh, Haman's anger burning and building and people anticipating. So when I was saying it's in the 11th month, I should have been saying, I messed up, should have been saying, For 11 months, all of this was building until um, it came to to a head. Um, So just know that uh, this celebration takes place in the month of Adar, and that's in the 12th month of that particular calendar. And So we're going to jump in where we are. I'm going to start in uh, um, Esther chapter 1, because in Esther chapter 1, there's something going on. We've got the story of Esther. God did this. God did that. We talked about it. God saved Israel. What does that mean for us? Wonderful things, and I hope that you've been able to begin to believe that God wants to turn your destruction into deliverance, and, and he wants to turn your um, fears into feasting, and your humility into a place of honor um, and you can grab a hold of that and now I want to back up and just say hey let's be practical let's be practical in relationships today and I want to look in in the book of Esther uh, and I want to look at Esther chapter 1 I'm going to read it right out of here I'm going to begin at verse 4 so that you can kind of see what's going on I'm going to read down through uh, verse 12 um, and then we're going to talk about those things and and, and we'll just go you ready all right let's do this grab a hold of your Bible open up your Bible app whatever it is and uh, let's just kind of march down through this for a full hundred and eighty days, King Xerxes displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and the glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen fastened with cords of white linen and purple material to silver rings on marble pillars. There. There were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic uh, pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Wine was served in go- goblets of gold, each one different from the other. <clears throat> the royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink in his own way for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man as much and whatever he wished to drink. Queen Vashti, also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. So there's two parties going on, guys to the left, women to the right, all right? On the seventh day, when the King Xerxes was high in spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, and I'm gonna mess these all up for you right now, so there'll be no correction next week, okay? Uh, mehuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, uh, Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcus to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and the nobles. And this is why theologically people think that all she was wearing was her crown because the next verse says, for she was lovely to look at. And so that's where they capture that thought. These, are, these men are drunk. They've been partying for seven solid days and now he wants them to see her. And so we're seeing this and this plays into what's going on here today. Okay, because she was lovely to look at verse 12. But when the attendants delivered the king's command to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. And that's what I wanna talk about today. Um, I was looking at this and praying and saying, hey God, where are we gonna take this? We wanna do two more today, and next week we wanna do on Esther, and then we're gonna move on. But I wanna look today at the issue of the king's anger, and maybe your own anger um, to some degree. Um, But I wanna look at that, because what's going on here is The queen says no. Thank goodness Vashti believed in herself enough to respect herself, even if it cost her her life. And there was that very real possibility because we can see from Esther that Esther wouldn't even go into the throne room because it would've cost her her life because she wasn't called to go into the throne room, okay, later in our story. So here, we have no reason to believe that Queen Vashti didn't understand the same things. So here she is throwing her own party for the ladies. Seven guys show up and say, hey, you know, let's get it down to the necessity, and the only necessity the king wants to see is the crown on your head. Other than that, he wants to show you off to his friends, how uncouth how immoral and deplorable is that to do to somebody not only that but think about it what it means about their relationship i mean was there a relationship and so he sends these these guys now when she says no he becomes furious then he calls in his trusted advisors and he begins to say hey how do I handle this? And, and there's some things like that, okay? Um, she is queen after all. And so there are some protocols and some edicts that are in place that even as king, he cannot, res- um, he cannot rescind those. They have to stay in place because it's a, it's a, it's a, a King Xerxes law. And, and for them, they're not Christians and they're not monotheistic people. But it, there's one, he's God. And if he says it and he backs up, then maybe he wasn't God. And so he has to stick to the edict. And so we see this thing that uh, this is what's going on, and she said no, and he's got to thing. he's got to decide what to do. So they come in and they say, banish um, the queen, banish her. Not just banish her, but banish her eternally. And that's where our story that we're looking at today is because I'm going to pass through all of the stuff that comes there. and I'm going to go to um, chapter 2, verse 1, and I want to read this to you. Later, when King Xerxes' fury had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Now, you know, I don't, I don't know how you read this when you read the book of Esther. If you've read it, and listen, I've been telling you, read the book of Esther, read the book of Esther. I want to encourage you to do it, okay? Get the word inside of your soul. Um, but when you do that, um, we see a picture here. I don't know how much time has gone by. It says later. That, that's how much time has gone by. Whatever later means. Um, it certainly means when he sobered up. It certainly means when the party was over. It certainly means when everybody went home. He was standing there. This is kind of like uh, um, when Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son and he said, and when he came to his senses, we don't know how much time went by and all like that, but there was a moment when he came to his senses and I really feel like, in, in, in my own study, I really feel like that's what's going on here. King Xerxes has come to the place where he's like, oh man. And he begins to think about Vashti. Clearly he thought she was absolutely beautiful. Clearly he made her the queen. Clearly, she had the run of the palace and and the right to throw parties and and do things. And now he's at a place where I, I believe he's in a situation where he is really feeling remorseful. He is really feeling sorry. He is at that place where he believes he made a big mistake. But I also see a marriage that's not working. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest, culturally speaking, that kind of a marriage is nothing like what we experience in our lives in America today. A lot of times it was a political type marriage and things like that. But, you know, there were still some relational issues there, but we can see that this wasn't healthy or good. I mean, what kind of a man does that to his wife in all sincerity, especially while she's in the middle of throwing a party for the women? And we get to the last high day when there's going to be a giant banquet and you say, hey, leave your party, leave your guests, leave everybody, strip it down, put your crown on, come in here. I want to show you off like you're, chattel and it's like no 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 thank goodness she stood up for herself I don't know what kind of queen she was I don't care I mean I don't know what kind of human being she was you know there's some some thoughts that she was a pretty tough queen but you still don't do this to people and so this king he gets really angry and then suddenly you know we're not talking about a marriage that comes out of the book of Ephesians chapter 5 like Paul would talk about we're talking about this marriage but in any case I really 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 believe. That the king was remorseful. I believe he got to the place where he was like, wow, man, I screwed up bad. I can't back up and I really miss her. And she's not allowed in my presence anymore. Man, did I mess that up. You know, a lot of times when our anger gets out and the situation dissipates, we find ourselves there, don't we? In situations of, of spousal abuse, of child abuse, in situations of just straight up abuse, in, in situations where our anger explodes and a day, an hour, uh, a week, a month, 10 years, a decade, I don't know, we process it out and we think, wow, and we have a place to be remorseful about it. Well, that's where the king was and this was going on and the issue here is that the king's fury has subsided now um, i don't know about you um, we can understand the word fury or furious or fast and furious no no not fast and furious um, but we can we can talk about what fury is and as i was processing that out and as i was just trying to think about the whole circumstance i see it as a progression okay you know um, we talk about anger from the bible and that's what we're going to do we're going to look at some scriptures um, but it, it's kind of a progression So let me just share with you my progression. Um, Keep notes if you'd like to. This isn't something I've I've slated to have come up on the screen necessarily. It might, but I'm just saying. Look at this. Um, I see the king's fury, or I see my own fury, or I see anybody else's fury starting like this. I'm unhappy. We're just unhappy. It's like the 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 bottommost level of fury. It's raining behind me. I really would like to be outside. I'm not happy. I'm, I, I, I'm just unhappy. I wanted to have a picnic. I'm not happy. Um, it's circumstantial. It's beyond our control. There's nothing we can do about it. So the, the birth of our anger or whatever, it's just simply that, you know, I'm unhappy. I think it kind of moves from there into now I'm miffed. Okay, and I'm miffed because you actually have as much right to be here as I do, but you got there first. Um, Something belongs to both of us, but you're using it right now and I'd like to have it. So I'm kind of miffed at you um, because you're smarter than me and you got to it first. Okay, you know, husbands and wives in there, whatever. Um, What kind of example? You know, um, we want to watch TV tonight. We're looking forward to watching TV tonight. You got to the TV first and you want to watch Emma. For real, we got to watch Emma. I do not want to watch Emma. Emma doesn't blow up, Emma doesn't save the world. Emma doesn't chase the bad guy down. Emma doesn't do great car things, and and no, no, no. And so now I'm I'm like miffed. Fine, fine, fine. We'll watch Emma. No, I I wanted to watch Emma. I love Emma. It's my favorite. Okay, yes, please. And you you talk to each other like that. It's like wow. Um, Actually, in my house it would be more like uh, I was planning on watching the New England Patriots today. You know, in the fall, and uh, so I got to the TV, and and you were already there watching your team, Peyton Manning. Um, no, Peyton's not a team. I understand that, but it's that's her. Team, Peyton Manning. Okay, thank goodness he retired. Okay, so now I can watch my team. So it might be something a little more like that, but we've gone from unhappy eh, to miffed. Really? I was planning on that. You get to have your way. And then I go from miffed to put out. You ever been put out? I don't mean like the dog. I mean, I'm just talking about, have you ever been put out? Like, I'm I'm really put out about this, okay? And that's kind of like, I was planning on eating that, and I was saving it, and I told you, hey, don't eat that, and then you ate it, and it's like, why did you eat it? And I can see it on your face, and it's like, because it tastes good, and that's your answer, and it's like, but it was gonna taste good to me. And now I'm a little put out. I'm not, you know, throwing things or anything. I'm just like, I'm I'm gonna go out in the garage, and I'm gonna like wax the car, or I'm gonna sit and hold a puppy. I mean, one of those two things is going to appease me, okay? And so I go from put out, and then in my mind, this whole thing transitions into anger. Then we're angry. What is angry? You can't have that. It actually is mine. Or hey, you broke that because you didn't respect it, or you were mad at me and you broke it. Um, somebody broke into your car and stole your stereo out of it. When I was a kid, you know, I had a '67 Cougar with a 289 in it, and I put one of them little FM converters underneath the AM radio, and I thought I was, you know, all that. Well, somebody got in there. Not only did they take the FM converter, but they also took the CB radio. That was very important to my soul um, because I was a superhero on CB radio. Um, but that being said, uh, I was angry because I knew who did it. And I knew who did it because their sister came and told me that they did it. Uh, but there was no way to prove it without getting her in deep and serious trouble. And I thought she was cute so I wasn't going to do that. Um, so, But I was angry. I was angry. It's a personal inconvenience or it's an attack on me. And then it goes from that and where I think our king is today um, and he begins to become enraged. And that, that maybe has a lot more to be uh, about being embarrassed when you take that anger and it's in a situation where there's embarrassment and suddenly you know you're out of there and and it's a humiliation and so you know the king is kind of in that spot and then it turns into a furiousness there's fury involved and that's just like an ultimate narcissism like the world really does revolve around me and it had better keep revolving around me and I said do this and you said no and my friends are looking and what am I gonna do and so I see this progression and then I see the king and you know it's it's exacerbated by the fact that they have been drinking like sailors and not if you're a sailor I'm really sorry okay but I'm just saying okay Um, and so it's exacerbated by the alcohol and the partying and the the high spirits and then suddenly you know a couple of days go by and you're like whoa I let it own me instead of controlling my emotion and I did something really 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 rash that I regret and that's where the king was and again I, I've said this a couple of times it's largely believed that it ended up costing Vashti her life um, that's where Jesus, uh, Jewish uh, theologians are. It's where some Christian theologians, probably the majority of Christian theologians, would suggest to you that um, she was martyred. You know, we might just say killed because you know we, we wouldn't maybe apply the word martyr to it. But we see that going on, and that's I mean that's that's just like a rashness you can't come back from it can't happen, but he had that authority. Each level encompasses the level before it and builds on it. And so it's like, you know, you you throw another stick on the fire, you throw a log on the fire, you, you know, squirt a little lighter fluid in the fire, or you dump a whole gallon of gasoline on the fire. And it just keeps going bigger. And each thing builds on the thing before. And that's what we're looking at. Listen, we all have issues in our lives. Seriously. We all, every one of us has issues in our lives. I don't know, you know, the people that don't have issues in their life, you know, maybe it's an issue of pride that you don't have issues in your life. But we all have issues in our lives. We really do. You can pretend all you want. It's just a matter of what's going on behind the scenes when nobody's looking um, or when you're alone. But we all have issues that we need to work on more than the other, and things can change and things can get better. Um, or you know, sometimes it's just a lifetime battle that you have got to work with. Maybe you're one of those persons struggling with pornography, and you know that you have got to be careful for the rest of your life. There can be different triggers um, that take place, and you've got to be careful of that. For some of you, it isn't uh, money. It isn't sex. It isn't power. It isn't drugs. It isn't alcohol. it is not gossip. It is not selfishness per se. It's anger. For some of you, that's the issue. And, and, and so I'm, I'm speaking that today. I'm not saying you get angry and then sin because that happens to all of us. All of us at some point, we, we get angry and we step across the line. I, I'm, I'm more talking about um, people that they live in that anger. And and they can't get out of it. And it's just, it's a way of life. And and it can be born out of something that happened as a child. It can be, there's just so many circumstances that attacked our mental health in in the developing years and and as we've moved forward that that we just can't get out of that anger. And, uh, you know, King Xerxes was in a spot where, boom, there it is. I'm, I'm talking about like rage is a normal thing for you. It's a daily thing for you. That, that you blow up and go off, or you know, maybe even moment by moment. Uh, and, and it's gonna cause you to do something very, very detrimental that you need to back up from. And I wanna, I wanna talk about the idea of anger today. James, the brother of Jesus, tells us this in the book of James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. He's, he's teaching us, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen, I needed to hear that today. Everybody should be slow to speak. Two ears and one mouth, Grandma used to say. Listen twice as much as you talk, okay? Needed to hear that today. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Don't be quick to become angry. The scripture says you and I are called to be, uh, to, to be very, very slow, about becoming angry. And inside of that is just this idea that that we're in control of our anger if that's the plan, that we're doing something about it. And then he goes, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, even our human uh, anger, um, the scripture will tell us, and I'll, I'll read it in a second, to be angry and not sin. So there's a place that we can be angry and it's not a sin, but that doesn't mean that it's producing what God wants to produce in us. And that's a tough thing for us to stop and realize that we're not supposed to be led around by the nose by our emotions. Our emotions are supposed to be the means by which we express what we're feeling inside. Instead of just catching up with our emotions, we're supposed to be leading our emotions. And so the Apostle Paul says in two different letters to the, book, to the church in Colossae, he says, But now you must rid yourselves of all things such as these. Get rid of this, okay? Get rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. I know know there's Christians all over today that think filthy language is okay. It's not such a big deal. It is to God. We are not supposed to be using filthy language in a manner that that is casual and attacking everybody else. And some people say, well, it doesn't mean anything to me. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But it certainly means something in the scripture. As we grow that is one of the things that, that Paul says we're supposed to set aside. We don't need to be using filthy language. Well, let me, I, don't, I don't want to camp on that, okay? He says, and filthy language, don't let these things come from your lips, okay? And then to, um, to the church in Ephesians, he says, in your anger, this is what I was talking about, do not sin, okay? So sometimes it's important that we do get angry. We get angry about injustice. We get angry about oppression. We get angry about hurtful things happening to people. We get angry for people or even for us in circumstances. But there is a a place where we are not to lash out. There is a place where we are not to slander. We are not to gossip. We are not to kill people. We are not to hit people. We are not to hurt people. We are supposed to say, I am angry And begin to say, why am I angry? What is this and what is God going to use to speak to me through my anger rather than let's just chase the anger? And listen to me, we all have times in our lives where our anger takes us rather than we take our anger. And I want to encourage us to be aware of that. In your anger, do not sin. Check this out. Do not, the let, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So when we're talking about angry, in these three passages, remember we're thinking of King Xerxes got angry. And he did something really stupid. And you can't back up from it. So the Bible tells us these things. I just want to share these things with you as we do it. We should be slow to become angry. We should not be quick. Don't jump quick. We should be slow to become angry. It is an emotion that we should have control of it. We should not be reactive to it, okay? So we're supposed to be slow going into that. Not like, let it burn, let it burn all night. You know, no, not like that. Embrace it, but embrace it slowly and carefully. Think it through what's going on. Secondly, anger does not produce the righteousness of God. There's no way around that. Anger does not, it's not listed in the fruit of the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, anger, gentleness, to me, and it's not in there. I just put it in there. It's not in there. Oh, it's Mine's a righteousness, a righteous indignation, a righteous anger. No. <laughs> There's not a right, there might be a right anger, but it's not righteous because it does not produce the righteousness of God in your life. Um, it, it's something we need to mull over. It rears its ugly head. We've got to wait ourselves, uh, and grab a hold of it ourselves and then say, why am I angry? What is it that's going on that I need to enter into? Um, and, and our goal, again, is to get rid of the angry. Um, it's our it's our job to hold this. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, um, you know, back in the early 70s, I used to watch this show called Kung Fu every Friday night. I was watching um, Kwai Chang Kane. Okay, they just called him Kane. And, and, and here was this guy that you're watching do all this That was a cowboy show. Um, But it was about Kung Fu. And, And so I was watching this and always, 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 this guy's not getting angry when somebody punches him in the face, not getting angry when they take his bag, not getting angry when they flip his hat. But when they went to swing at him, he didn't get angry. He did everything he could to be protective. But if he had to step forward, he stepped forward to be protective. And I used to think, wow, how can you, when somebody comes up and punches you in the nose, how can you not get angry and punch them back? How can you not do that? And so we saw this. Now, listen, I, I, I totally get that You know, yoga is like a pseudo religion and kung fu is actually a, a, a religion. And I'm, I'm just suggesting to you that because there'll be some purists out there, but listen to me. You can practice yoga as an exercise, as a stretching, as an opportunity to settle down without getting involved in a religion. And you can practice a martial art called kung fu without embracing a religion. It is entirely possible to do that. Okay, caveat, let's set that aside now and keep going, okay? Anger does not produce the righteousness of God, and so we should get a hold of it, and we should think, how do I go through life not letting things like this, my emotions, not just anger, but certainly anger, get the best of me? What we learn from these four verses is anger is something we are supposed to deal with. Are you dealing with anger in your soul right now? You know, a lot of times the way that you're reacting to people right now has a lot to do with something that happened in your life before, maybe an ongoing system that you were raised in, a filter. And so you've got this means by which you interact with people, your fight, your flight, things like that, um, and they're there. And sometimes when when you get angry at something, you need to back up 10 or 15 years or two or three decades, and you've got to say, why do I act like that? Why do I do that? A lot of times it's because you're scared, and fear brings out anger, and so by being aggressive, we begin to try to to dissipate whatever it is that's scaring us to death, and and that's not good, okay? Anger is something we're supposed to deal with, but we've got to deal with it peacefully. We've got to be able to sit down and say, I need to do this. A lot of people um, are of the nature, you avoid conflict at any cost, and that's not good for you. When you, su- when you begin to stuff anger and stuff anger, sooner or later, the truth of the matter is, your doctor will tell you that anger can kill you. You begin to stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff, and it starts affecting your health. And you don't want to do that. It's important that you deal with it. It's important that you have a plan. You sit down with whoever it is or whatever the situation was and say, listen, this made me mad. Or, no, no, it's not even, it's not even safe. You can't even say that. It did not make you mad. I chose to get angry at this because... And then you've got to say why. And then you've got to share it back and forth. But if you've got something from your childhood, if you've got something from last week, you certainly need to stop and say, hey, I need to deal with this. Because what I want to share with you here is unchecked anger is a tool in the hand of the devil. It begins to separate you from God. It gives the devil a foothold into your life. Something happened to you as a child that you're still dealing with the anger of? But you don't want to do it, so you stuff it, and the devil sticks his toe in the doorway. And you can't shut him out. And you don't know why you can't get ahead spiritually. And and, and it's because the enemy is there with his foot in the door. And God is saying, man, you're going to have to deal with this one. And it's, it's not always easy, and it's not always fun. But it sure beats acting like King Xerxes. Peter says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, what's good for both of us, to mutual affection, love. And if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted. See that? Blind forgetting what they have been cleansed from, their past sins. So there's a place where where Peter says, don't just say, what am I not supposed to be angry about? Deal with your anger and then begin to say, what am I supposed to be like? And in being like it, there's a place there where I'm probably going to have to enter into a conflict. Now, a conflict is not an all-out war. (laughs) A conflict can be just like you're bumping heads. It's just that simple. You, you, Sooner or later, you need to sit down and have a talk. You need to understand what happened. But that's our call. You have faith, that's where you begin in your Christian walk. And then you add goodness, righteous acts, and deeds. And then to that you add knowledge. You grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. And to that you add self-control. You begin to come, become self-aware of my relationship to Jesus and my earthly nature. How do I get self-control and begin to put down my earthly nature? You add to that self-control perseverance. You don't drift. You stay the course. It's going to be a while, but maybe he'll come back today but we, we persevere, we keep going in the midst of the craziness that's going on. And then as we persevere, we add godliness, our language, our entertainment, our service and ministry. Um, those things are referred to as our holiness, the things that we choose to let go of of this world as we conquer our human nature through the power of Christ on Calvary. And then from godliness, we add mutual affection esteem others as better than ourselves. We could say yes, according to uh, what God told Cain, I am my brother's keeper. It does matter if those people are starving out there, and when I see it, it is my responsibility to do something. That's our mutual affection for one another, and from there we go to love. Self-denying acts for the good of somebody else. It's not what I feel. I love my wife, but it's what I do for her that says, I love you. Work together with her as her partner, not her Lord, and, and build a life together. Help clean, help make her feel special, help adore her, um, help whatever, things that make her say, she's important in my life. That's important. In our Bible passage today, King the king let his anger get the best of him. He did. God used his sin, but still... He lost his most beautiful wife to his anger. Yet God used the circumstances. He brought Esther in. But at the end of the day, the king didn't have to lose Vashti. He really didn't. But he did because of his human nature, his flesh. It was not turned over, and he was not transformed. What about you? What relationship in your life today is your anger killing? You'd like to have a better marriage. You'd like to have a better boss. You'd like to have better employees. You'd like to have a better neighbor. You'd like to have a better dog. Okay? What relationship is the anger inside of you killing that you need help with? What relationship is God saying at this time to heal instead of to hide from? How about if I say it that way? What relationship is God saying it's time for you to heal? That means you've got to interact with it instead of hiding from it. That's going to be important today. Let me pray for you, okay? Let me pray for me. Father. As we come before you right now. I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for this message. I want to thank you for these characters. I want to thank you that even the worst of circumstances that we see in the scripture, there's a message there for all of us. We don't have to be like King Xerxes living our lives in regret because we made bad choices at the wrong time. And we lost something very, very dear to us. Sometimes, God, you're actually calling us. You're picking a scab in our heart. And you're saying, Joe, I want you to deal with this. I want you to go sit and have coffee. I want you to talk. I don't want you to win a conversation. I want you to express what you're feeling. I want you to... Um, let the hurt be known, but at the same time, don't be afraid to ask forgiveness for your part of it. Relationships are two-way streets. We give and we take. Sometimes we've hurt people. Sometimes people have hurt us. God, we want you to come down and show us how to bring healing in that. In Jesus' blessed and holy name, amen. This is a great time to tell you that with this heavy on your heart right now, it's okay to go in the other room. It's okay to get on the internet. It's okay to go to vineyardrichmond.com. And down in the right-hand corner, click that green button. This says, I need to talk to somebody because this is heavy on my heart. It hurts. And I need somebody to pray for me. And there is somebody there. Literally there. They won't know your name. They don't see your face. You don't see their face. But they will pray with you and interact with you as much as you'll let them. And even though we're not in the same building together, it does not mean that God is not trying to do something in your life today from your living room or your kitchen or your bedroom or wherever you're watching this from. God is wanting to do something in your life because He wants you healed, not hiding. Give it a thought. God bless you and go in peace. And one more thing before I go, let me just say, I've been getting questions. Pastor Joe, when are we gonna open the church? Pastor Joe, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do that? Let's let's just all take a deep breath. Definitive statements really haven't been laid out just yet. And so this is a time when I just wanna say, it's on our hearts, it's on our minds as staff. We talk about it, well actually they bring it up and I say, (laughs) I don't know, okay? And I say that simply because I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out, and it's not going to be like a sudden decision, and everybody, be- no, no, no. We need to do what's best for everybody and with everybody. So for right now, we're doing it this way. And it's good, and I love you. I'm going to promise I miss you. But it's going to be over, and we're going to get through it. So let's just all hang together, take a deep breath. And the answer right now is, I don't know. But God is faithful. Let's trust him, okay? All right. I'll see you next week, wherever we are.